Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to today's program. Of course, my name is Nathan Wilson, and I'm so delighted that you decided to join us here on New Southern Garden, where you can find us here on WRWH 93.9 FM every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, and then a repeat broadcast at 8 p.m. on Saturday. So if you decide to sleep in in the morning, as Saturdays should be used for, maybe... (laughs) then you can always catch up with what's going on in the New Southern Garden in the evening. But you can also find uh, every episode of this program on the website at NewSouthernGarden.com. And of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram and all of your favorite podcasting apps. But we've got a lot to talk about today. We've been enjoying this springtime so much already. It's been a good spring. It's been a strange spring. It was a strange winter. But uh, that leads us to new possibilities, and, you know, sometimes there's crisis. Sometimes there's crisis in the garden. Pest problems, weather issues, weeds all over the place. But, you know, sometimes these crises turn into good opportunities. So if we can see the opportunity through the crisis, our gardens will be growing so much better. They will be so much more lively and more enjoyable. For us to be in, to work in, relax in, read a book in, catch up on emails in, why not make your garden your office if you (laughs) are working from home? So uh, again, um, if you've missed out on some of the things we've talked about this spring, just check out those older episodes at NewSouthernGarden.com and you can catch up. But today we're going to venture into, I I think that we have dedicated a show every spring Uh, for uh, America's favorite vegetable plant, or at least the Southeast's favorite vegetable plant. I think you know what I'm talking about. That's the tomato. The tomato. The mater. The tomato. They've got a lot of names. But of course, um, we in the Southeast love our tomatoes. Maybe we all strive to grow the perfect tomato to slice and put on white bread with mayonnaise, maybe salt and pepper, and make a tomato sandwich. But of course, tomatoes do have plenty of purposes. They have plenty of uses in the kitchen and for our culinary desires. More than sandwiches, of course, tomatoes garnish salads all the time, and they can make up their own salad. One of the best tomato salads I've had was uh, quite simple. Tomatoes, cucumbers, onions, tossed in something like Italian dressing, And it's just fresh, you know, right out of the garden, fresh, whether you want to chill it in the refrigerator or wash it and use it warm, still makes a great salad. So there's a lot of applications. Of course, people can their tomatoes. Some people will preserve them, turn them into salsa or sauces, tomato sauces. And it has really become a staple for our southern gardens and really southern diets. Um, Nothing reminds me more of my grandparents than 
any meal that you may eat served with a side of sliced tomatoes. And you just eat the tomato as a side. It's wonderful. But of course, uh, tomatoes come with some challenges. They do like our climate. They do like our growing conditions, which is probably why it's risen to the top of our vegetable list. Um, But they can come with some challenges. So today I will be giving you sort of my top tips for growing terrific tomatoes. I don't know if that'll be the title, but that sounds pretty good to me right now. And we're going to travel from selecting We're going to go way back to selecting what kind of tomatoes uh, are offered, what kind of tomatoes should you be growing, um, determining what what you want to get out of your tomato. If you're looking to can tomatoes or preserve them, you may be looking for a certain group of tomatoes. If you're looking for tomatoes to be eaten fresh and consecutively one after the other throughout the growing season, you may need a different group of tomatoes to grow. And of course, then there are different sizes of tomatoes, different shapes, different colors, and more so than that, From the growing perspective, certain tomatoes perform better uh, against diseases. So some of them come with a number of disease resistance, which may be critical for you if you've suffered from certain diseases in the past. Uh, Then we'll talk about planting them, whether you've already planted your tomato or if you haven't planted your tomatoes yet, you will get some tips. I'll give you some tips on a great way to get them in the ground so that they will perform for you and be able to um, handle up, handle up, measure up against the weather that is surely to come this summer, particularly in the southeast We'll talk about mulching and fertilizing, and then uh, towards the end of the show, we will talk about some of the problems and problem solving that you may need to do with tomatoes. Just like any other garden plant, they do come with a number of pests to look out for. Some of them, some of the diseases are quite brutal. Some of the insects can be quite disastrous, but I'll give you some ideas on how to fend off some of these pests and prevent them maybe from becoming a problem next year uh, with some simple things you can do and to be on the lookout for. So today is all about tomatoes. Again, I would at least say it is the Southeast's favorite garden uh, vegetable, if not if not America's favorite garden vegetable. Uh, speaking of growing tomatoes in the southeast, I would like to mention that we do have a very long growing season here. And for tomatoes, they sort of do uh, need a long growing uh, season. Now, some people get away with growing tomatoes in cooler climates that may not have such a long growing period by growing them in the greenhouse uh, maybe starting them in a greenhouse really early or finishing them in a greenhouse. In other words, they may spend almost the entire summer, um, well, at least the beginning and the end when it starts to cool down in some cooler regions. But we don't really have that problem. As a matter of fact, if you have maybe three months, if you have three months, uh, you can usually get a tomato from seed, planted, grown out, Uh, producing the plant, producing the flowers, producing the fruit, all within a three-month period. So don't think that you're 
late to the party if you have not planted yet because, of course, we have plenty of months to go for that tomato to mature and develop and produce those delicious summertime fruits. So let's begin our journey into growing tomatoes by talking about selecting tomatoes. What are some things that we need to be looking for? Well, tomatoes in general, in a broad group, they can be grouped into many different areas. But the first most critical grouping is probably going to be the difference between determinate tomatoes and indeterminate tomatoes. Now, those two words always confused me until I sort of made a uh, mental uh, reminder of, of what that means. The difference between a determinate tomato and an indeterminate determinate tomato uh, is that determinate tomatoes will produce their flowers and then ripen their fruits all at about the same time. Now, this may be over the course of a couple of weeks or whatnot. It just depends on the type of tomato you're growing. But the idea with determinate tomatoes is that they will produce all of their fruits in a short period of time. Now, on the opposite end, indeterminate tomatoes will continue to produce flowers and fruits uh, until the frost, really, until the growing season is over. So what we need to take away from this information is that if you are preserving tomatoes or uh, maybe you're going to harvest tomatoes, turn them into salsa or some kind of tomato sauce and then can them or freeze them, it would be in your best interest to be growing determinate tomatoes. So you can harvest a uh, crop of them all at one time, do your culinary work, do your kitchen work, prepare those tomatoes, and then you've got every tomato that you've produced for canning, for storage, for freezing, uh, right there at your fingertips. Now, you could do that with indeterminate tomatoes, but remember, they will send out a tomato here and there. They will ripen their tomatoes uh, over the course of a long period of time. So by the time you had enough tomatoes to store or to cook with, to preserve, uh, your early tomatoes you've pulled off may already be past their prime. So again, determinate you're going to have tomatoes that are producing all in, the sh- in a short band of time, but indeterminate tomatoes will continue to produce over a much, much longer period of time. Indeterminate tomatoes are great tomatoes for fresh use because, of course, uh, you may not need 60 tomatoes in the kitchen just to slice them for t- sandwiches or for salads. But if you are going to be using a few tomatoes per week, then those indeterminate tomatoes will give you uh, a few tomatoes every week for the entire growing season. So that mental note that I keep in my head is that determinate tomatoes are determined to produce fruit all at one time. That's how I like to think of it. (laughs) So if you start looking at the uh, local garden centers and plant nurseries and you notice that on the plant tag, this tomato is determinate, just remember it is determined to produce fruit at one time and then pretty much that plant is done. It is done for the year. So you may want to have a variety of determinate and indeterminate tomatoes. That may be helpful in the garden. Depending on how many tomatoes you can 
deal with in your space. Uh, you're going to have to get creative. Some of them may be determinate and some uh, may be indeterminate. Uh, the, the idea, too, behind determinate tomatoes is that generally those plants don't get very big because they produce their plant, produce their flowers and their fruit all in a short window of time. They tend to stay on the smaller side. Indeterminate tomatoes, however, they will continue to grow their branches, continue to grow their stems and leaves. And by the end of three months, you have quite a tall, lanky, long vine of tomato plant. So the determinate tomatoes make great patio tomato plants. If you're not growing in a vegetable garden uh, or in the ground, I should say, but maybe you have a patio or stoop that you're growing your tomatoes on, then determinate tomatoes, the bush style tomatoes, tend to be best for containers because, of course, they're not going to climb six, seven, eight feet tall. Some tomatoes I have seen pictures and videos of, uh, they are like trees. They're nearly like trees as far as some of these indeterminate types go. Now, as far as another classification of tomatoes go, you need to be looking at the type of fruit that they will produce. Some of the biggest, some of the largest tomatoes are probably going to be in the beefsteak type group. Now, there are some tomatoes that are called beefsteak, and there's, you know, improved beefsteak and super beef and big beef and all these things. But all of these um, beefsteak style tomatoes would probably have a large fruit, at least one pound, if not two or more in weight. That means each tomato fruit is going to weigh and be quite heavy and quite large. So if you are looking for a super big tomato, start with the beefsteaks. Then, of course, we get into sort of the slicing tomatoes that may average between six to eight ounces in weight and maybe potentially even up to a pound or so but of course these particular tomatoes are your kind of average globe shaped uh, they don't all normally have an unusual uh, shaped fruit they're nice and round like a baseball or something um, but that slicing style tomato can be very helpful and it's quite versatile if you don't need something that's going to weigh two pounds in, uh, when it's done maturing then these slicings are a way to go then of course we have like the Roma style tomatoes or maybe you would call them a plum style I've heard them described as plum type tomatoes and they are going to have a sort of elliptical shape they'll be longer not as wide uh, but then some of the smallest tomatoes are going to be the cherries and the the grape tomatoes. Of course, those are those tiny, uh, just cherry-like fruits that can be thrown on salads. They could be sliced. Some of them are so small, you can pop them in your mouth like a piece of candy. Well, when we get back from this break, gang, we're going to talk more about growing the best tomato you can this year. Hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at newsoutherngarden.com. 
where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the new Southern Garden family and let's grow well. So, gang, before the break here on New Southern Garden, we were talking all about my top tips for terrific tomatoes. I think every year I like to remind you of some of the things we need to be doing and could be doing. You don't have to do them. Uh, But things that tomatoes in particular may need. Tomatoes are the Southeast's favorite garden vegetable. Maybe America's favorite garden vegetable. I don't suppose everybody in the world likes tomatoes, but most people seem to. Because even in the plant nurseries, the tomato is one of the best-selling transplants as far as vegetables go. And so I think that it's important for us to take some time to learn how to make the best tomato you can so you can have those wonderful uh, summertime tomato sandwiches. So before the break, we were talking about the differences between different types of tomatoes. One way we classify them is by determinate and indeterminate tomatoes. Determinate tomatoes will give you a flush of fruit all at one time, and then the plant is pretty much done producing fruit. It is determined to produce fruit before it dies. Then the indeterminate tomatoes will continue to produce fruit over a period of time, usually up until the first frost when the plant succumbs to too much cold temperatures. Then we talked about the different shapes and styles of fruit you may find from the biggest beefsteak type to the slicing tomatoes to the plum-shaped tomatoes like Roma's and then the cherries and grape tomatoes that you can just pop in your mouth like they're nature's (laughs) M&Ms. Then lastly, I would mention that a new term has come around called heirloom tomatoes. Now, heirloom tomatoes are heirloom vegetables, heirloom plants in general, Uh, have been defined in different ways, but the idea is that these are varieties of tomatoes or any plant that has been cultivated and used for at least 50 years. Some people say 100 years, uh, but I usually hear an heirloom tomato plant as being described as a variety that has been around for at least 50 years, and some of the hybrid tomatoes are becoming because they've been around so long, are becoming heirloom tomatoes. Some people are considering Big Boy, Better Boy, some of the top two performing uh, tomato plants, at least here in the southeast, and very well known. They are describing these tomatoes now as heirloom because they have been around for uh, several decades. Then, of course, like Celebrity is a good tomato for the southeast. It has been uh, used for a very long time. Now, there are, of course, a number of new hybrids that are coming out, and that's another section that we need to talk about is maybe the difference in heirloom and hybrid. So, of course, many tomatoes have been hybridized, uh, and you can't necessarily save the seed of the hybrids. They don't always come true to type. So keep that in mind if you are one who likes to save your seed. Um, Heirlooms and true-to-type tomatoes or true-to-type plants, they can have their seed saved, and generally those seeds will produce plants that look a lot like the mother. Uh, 
but some of the F1 hybrids, things that have been crossed uh, for a certain reason and then sold to you, those plants' seed will not necessarily produce a true-to-type tomato that you had the, the year before. So when you are saving seed, be sure to look for true-to-type seed or, of course, heirlooms, which generally are going to be um, looking a lot like the tomato you expect them to look like year after year. The beautiful thing about saving seed with tomatoes is that um, you don't have a lot of cross-pollination with tomatoes. Uh, In many cases, before the tomato flower has even opened, it has already already fertilized itself. So it is a self-pollinator that generally doesn't need uh, bees and butterflies to pollinate like uh, squashes do, or uh, corn needs wind in order to pollinate its flowers. But tomatoes are able to generally pollinate themselves even before the flower opens, so you don't have to worry about crossbreeding and and getting a a mix of genetics that produces something you're not looking for. Um, So with the hybrids, though, come a variety of a variety of uh, disease resistance, nematode resistance. So some of the things that tomatoes suffer from are some bacterial wilts and fungal problems. So verticillium wilt, fusarium wilt, and of course nematodes are some of the worst problems that you could have with tomatoes. Now a way in um, preventing some of these things from happening in your garden is when you're selecting your tomatoes, be sure that you are using... uh, pathogen-free plants. Now, there is a certification process that I don't see a lot of in the trade as far as the nurseries go, uh, but in many cases, there are certifications for groups of plants that have been grown that have been certified pathogen-free, verticillium-free, fusarium-free. You could be on the lookout for those, and if you're buying seed, the same thing follows suit. Be sure to do the research and look and make sure that these plants are certified pathogen free if, if you're worried about that but of course some of the plants themselves have been bred hybridized and cultivated in order to resist some of these things and one of the most simple thing to look for is on the plant tag itself you will see the letter v the letter f uh, the letter N, and these represent, of course, the V, verticillium wilt free, and F, fusarium wilt resistance, and of course, N refers to nematodes. So those are some of the biggest, most problematic things that really cause a problem for not just tomatoes, but other of your favorite vegetable plants. And once that disease or nematodes gets into your site, it is hard to get rid of it. So selecting for disease resistance may be priority in some cases. A lot of heirloom plants, a lot of heirloom tomatoes, the ones that have been around for a long time, either have sort of a natural defense to them. So in other words, they can resist these things um, and they have made made it through the course of time. But in many cases, some of the heirlooms need more protection because they don't have that disease resistance that people are looking for uh, more in today's modern garden culture. So always do the research about specific uh, types of plants that you're looking at and see how they fend against some of these diseases that can be quite detrimental. Now, a last note on selecting plants to grow in the tomato patch is going to be, are you going to buy transplants, which of course are little 
tiny plants that you find at the nurseries and, and the garden centers, or are you going to grow seed? And my biggest thing about the difference in these two types of uh purchasing of plant material is going to be if you're looking for transplants just know that there's not as many options available sometimes it's highly regional maybe the taste the preference uh, of a certain region you will see certain plants like i've already mentioned at least here in northeast georgia big boy better boy celebrity are some of the tops that we see but if you are looking for more unusual tomato plants, unusual types, different color fruits from yellows and golds, purples, blacks, like black creme, if you're looking for some of these type of tomatoes, particularly maybe heirloom tomatoes, your best shot is to look for seed to grow out. And don't worry, you still have enough time to plant a tomato seed in the ground this weekend or next week or really a month from now. It will grow, it will germinate, and it will have enough time in this growing season to produce fruits. So if you're looking for a wide variety of tomato options as far as varieties go, you probably need to start looking at some of the seed suppliers. But if you want to just have some tomatoes and you're not too particular on what kind or what uh, slew of varieties you may have access to, then of course going to your local plant nursery is going to be a great thing. So that's about it for selection. And, and once you've decided what tomatoes you're growing, well, the next step is to get it in the ground. And at this point, get it in the ground as soon as possible. We've already talked before over previous weeks that um, you don't want to put tomatoes in the ground too early because, of course, the ground temperature, the soil temperature is still quite cool until we start having warm nights. We need to make sure our day times are warm, our night times are warm, and the soil temperature is warm as well. And of course, we have surpassed that. If we are in the 60s, then that is a good route to go for tomatoes as far as soil temperature goes. It will only increase from here, but staying in the 60s is a good idea in order to get the uh, tomatoes planted. So that's the first step to planting. But of course, there's more to it. So hang on after this break and we will get back to planting the tomatoes of your dreams uh, after this quick break. Hang on tight. Earth came to life. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, today we are plowing through the show. It's just going by so quickly. But our topic of discussion today is my top tips for growing terrific tomatoes. Of course, I've already said it a few times, and you know that the tomato is probably the most beloved of our garden vegetables, and they are relatively easy to grow. They like our climate, but sometimes problems can occur, and later today we will talk about how to address some of the most problematic things or most common. Maybe they're not the worst problems, but they're surely something you will probably run into potentially every year. Uh, but we did take a break uh, from talking about planting your tomatoes. Uh, 
Now, planting your tomatoes is pretty straightforward. As long as the air is warm in the daytime, as long as the air is warm at nighttime, and as long as the soil is warm, then you can get them in the ground. And now should be a wonderful time. You probably could have been doing this a couple, three weeks ago, potentially. Uh, But it's just been a strange year. So we should be in the clear, and you shouldn't have to worry about them succumbing to cool temperatures. But with planting, the most critical thing that I have found that is helpful for your tomatoes, and you can't do this for every single plant in your landscape, you shouldn't do it for every plant, but tomatoes fall into a group of plants that you can, and that is planting them very deep. If you have transplants, uh, maybe you have grown tomatoes indoors all winter, not all winter, but late part of winter, they're ready to go outside, or maybe if you're buying transplants from a plant nursery or garden center, Plant these very deep. Remove at least 80%, 60% of the lower branches and create just a naked stem about the uh, at least half, but maybe up to 80% of the length of that stem and bury that underground. Now, what does this do? Well, by burying the stem of a tomato plant, it does stimulate the stem that has been buried to produce more roots So, of course, you'll have roots down in the pot of your tomato, but you will also be helping the plant to generate even more roots. And I found this deep planting of tomatoes to be very uh, helpful with growing them in the southeast where our summers can become quite dry. Remember, the more roots that a plant has, then the more or the, 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 well, the better the ability of the plant to actually bring in water and nutrition, particularly over a drought situation. So usually it never fails. I have to water some of my tomato plants as I go through uh, summer and they start to wilt when we have a dry spell. But we don't have to do that as frequently or as um want to do as much if they have an enlarged root system and by planting most and I know it sounds crazy because you're like well I just bought this six inch tall plant and it's only going to be two inches if I bury most of the stem and that is true it will shrink the size but it's not shrinking the size of the plant it's actually encouraging a bigger plant by increasing its root system below ground and in just a couple of weeks you'll be back up to six inches in no time so for the health of the plant for the longevity of these tomato plants, particularly the indeterminate style that are going to be producing and growing all summer until frost, planting them deep is wonderful. And you can do the same in a container. It's probably easier in a container because if you have a nice deep container, you can get even a tall tomato plant buried under the soil or your potting mix quite easily. Now, another trick, not really a trick, I don't like to use that word, but another thing that helps me, if I I have a tomato plant that's been in a pot for a long time and maybe it's two feet tall maybe it's 30 inches tall even you want to plant that in the ground but how can you dig a hole that is that deep uh, if you're trying to bury most of the stem don't worry about digging a deep hole but dig a wide hole dig a trench and then lay the root ball horizontally in the trench, lay the stem horizontally in the trench, and then on that lengthy stem, when you get to the tip, 
The portion that will remain above ground, just sort of curve it up slightly using soil to pack around there. You may need to stake the tip to keep it kind of vertical, but by burying that root system, or rather burying the stem in a trench, a long a, a very wide hole, that is going to encourage the uh, roots to grow along that stem, even if the plant seems much taller um, because maybe it's older or you didn't get around to putting it in the ground soon. But that is probably one of the most critical things with planting tomatoes is making sure that you get those stems buried nice and deep. You cannot do that with every plant. You hear me all the time talking about planting higher uh, than the soil line. In this case, you do want to bury the stem. Now, another thing after you've planted is you're going to be looking at at mulching. This is a tip that I really could not sacrifice in discussing about because mulching, really any plant material, whether it's shrubs or trees or blooming plants, but even vegetables, it is a wise decision to make because, of course, mulching has many benefits. Number one is it will help to suppress weeds. If we have exposed soil, like my grandfather used to grow his, his gardens, I mean, this is just the old way of doing it, but he had no mulch. He just had soil. He was always hoeing weeds. He was always uh, decrusting the soil because, of course, over time, exposed soil creates this thick crust that is quite hard for water to penetrate, and he was always always decrusting with his hoe, chopping up that crusty layer. That won't happen if you mulch. And then, of course, it's going to help trap moisture in. It's going to help moderate the moisture in the soil. So when we do get to a drought time, uh, your tomato plants that are well mulched are also well watered. Uh, generally, mulched vegetable gardens don't need as much irrigation, as much hand watering as vegetable gardens that are exposed to uh, the soil is exposed to the elements. And then, of course, it's going to increase the organic matter in the soil. Uh, as that mulch breaks down, it'll just be adding carbon, some nitrogen. It'll be adding some things to the soil that is going to help build the soil in the long run. And the last thing I would mention about mulch is that it's going to help moderate the temperature of the soil. Now, this is critical for any plant, but particularly our vegetable plants, because they're highly productive. And if we put them in a stressful situation, they may not be as productive as we would hope. So an exposed soil will get really hot in the summertime. And it will get really cold in the wintertime. But a well-mulched soil is going to stay cooler in the summer, keeping our plants' roots under less heat stress. And then, of course, in the wintertime, it doesn't really matter for tomatoes, but uh, they won't be around in the wintertime. But in the wintertime, the, warm, uh, the soil will stay warm rather than potentially freezing our roots. So that would have been a good thing to have. Nice layer of mulch over this past winter. So mulching after you plant is going to be critical. Now, the next thing, of course, is fertilizing your tomatoes. But what do you need to know about fertilizing your tomatoes? I will say that we tend... Do we not tend to go look for fertilizers that are made just for a particular kind of plant? In this case, there are some products called 
tomato tone by Espoma. Uh, I cannot think of that. There was one called like dynamite or something. I think it was Mar. It was it was actually in a jar. It was in a little can that was shaped like a tomato, and the top was a green top, so it looked like a tomato. But folks, you don't have to get too um, particular on your fertilizer as long as you look at whatever fertilizer you're going to purchase has a well balance of nutrition. Of course, the big three on a fertilizer bag. They're separated by a hyphen. There's three numbers separated by a hyphen on every fertilizer bag or box or can. And the first number is nitrogen. The second number is phosphorus. The third number is potassium. Now make sure you've got a good well-balanced, I mean, 10-10-10 will work just fine. A 5-10-15 will work just fine. But then you also want to look at the micronutrients. Now, the micronutrients are not going to be on the front of the bag. They're not on that ratio of three digits separated by a hyphen. They will be on the back of a bag, usually in its own little panel. You'll see things like calcium and magnesium and iron and sulfur. And these things are things that plants need but they don't need a lot of. So as long as you have a good selection of um, of micronutrients in a product, it will work for about any plant you're looking for. Now, what about the ratio? Some people say we do not need to over-fertilize our tomatoes with nitrogen. So ideally, we may be looking for a lower number of nitrogen and higher phosphorus and potassium. I don't necessarily always agree with that. I think that um, if we provide our plants with nitrogen, that will stimulate leaf growth. But just because a plant is producing leaf growth doesn't mean it won't produce uh, flowers and fruits. So what I like to do is think, well, if I can make sure that the plant has enough nitrogen to produce um, leaves then the leaves will generate energy from the sun to help produce these flower buds and, of course, um, uh, fruits later on. So, yes, we don't need to get crazy with the amount of nitrogen, but remember that usually our soils here in the southeast in particular, and really all soils, uh, soil doesn't hold on to nitrogen very well. So if there's one nutrient, if there's one nutrient that your any plant or your tomatoes in this case is going to probably need more of because it's not in the soil, that will be nitrogen. Now, of course, the best way to make sure you're giving your plants exactly what they need, not too much, not, not too little, is by taking a soil sample. And from your tomato patch soil, you can collect random samples, mix them together, and send them to your local county extension agent or your county um, uh, county Extension Office. The, they've got a different name. Cooperative Extension Service is what they call it now. And so if you send that there for a, a nominal fee, they'll have your soil tested. And in about a week, maybe two, usually it's quite quick, they'll email you a report. And they will tell you exactly what recommendations, what kind of fertilizer, and how much of it you may need to apply in order to uh, feed your plants. So 
If you don't want to go through all that trouble, the next best thing is to look for a well-balanced, meaning you have a little bit of everything the plants need, and particularly a slow-release fertilizer. And that's going to ensure that those nutrients are released to the plant over the course of the growing season. Some uh, fertilizers may last 30 days, 60 days, and of course uh, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch where you can find me, we have a fertilizer that's well-balanced and lasts 90 days. Now that is pretty much the entire length of a tomato's growing season for the indeterminates you may need to apply uh, fertilizer twice uh, once more in the summer but generally that's what we're looking for is something that lasts a long time a last note on fertilizer is don't just use and i've mentioned this to you before don't just use liquid feeds like the miracle grow the uh, blue stuff if you will you dilute it into water and those pellets dissolve looks like a little salt or sugar granules. All of that will dissolve, of course, and you can water your plants with that, but think of that as a supplement. Don't think of that as the main source. Either use an organic fertilizer or a slow-release fertilizer that's inorganic and fertilize your plants that way because that will linger and last. It's like the steak and potatoes meal, whereas the liquid stuff is more like a candy bar. It'll feed them, but for a very short period of time. So fertilizing is critical because, remember, we are trying to um, produce plants that are highly productive, and, of course, with productivity comes input. And if your soil doesn't already have everything your plants need, then you're going to have to apply an input. The best way is to uh, have your soil tested and know exactly what you need. But of course, when it comes to fertilizing, as long as you give your plants what they need, maybe a little extra, then they should perform well for you. When we get back from this break, your tomatoes will have some problems. And I'm going to give you the top three that you're surely to see even this year. Hang on tight. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. So gang, are you anticipating the day this summer when you can go into your vegetable patch, find the ripest, reddest, juiciest looking tomato, pull it off the vine, take it inside, wash it up, slice it, and make a sandwich? We're just around the corner. I don't know how close some of you may be to having a veg- a tomato that's ready to harvest, Um Surely, some of the folks who started them early indoors and have protected them from the cold are 
seeing definitely flowers and hopefully fruit sets. I hope that this is the case for some of you folks who may have uh, been growing them for some time now. But today we are talking about tomatoes and my top tips for growing terrific tomatoes. Uh, nothing is too out of the ordinary. Nothing is, you know, magical or anything like that. But there are some critical things that we need to think about. And of course, earlier today, we started with selecting tomatoes. That's the first step. That's really the first step with any plant is making sure you've got a plant that is going to do what you want it to do and is headed in the right direction. We talked about planting and some of the unique things we would do to tomatoes, but not other plants. Then mulching and fertilizing, feeding them. So if you missed any part of today's show on growing terrific tomatoes, be sure to check it out in a few short hours online at NewSouthernGarden.com and of course on any podcasting app um, that you have on your smartphone. You can always join us here every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on WRWH 93.9 FM and again at 8 o'clock at night. But uh, with tomatoes... We've talked about all the fun stuff. Now let's talk about the disastrous stuff. Some of the things that uh, tomatoes are going to experience, usually you will see some of these, I've got a list of three. These aren't the most um, detrimental things that can happen to tomatoes, even though some of them can be quite problematic, uh, but they are quite common. The very first problem you may arise with when it comes to tomatoes or, or have in your tomato patch is blossom end rot. Now, I say the word blossom end rot, and you probably know what it is, but for those of who don't, uh, blossom end rot is where the bottom of the fruit, and usually it can start when the fruit is quite small and immature, still green, but the bottom of the fruit will have this water-soaked, circular, maybe sometimes irregular, looks like a bad bruise, and sometimes it looks like downright rot, and whether it looks like a bruise or downright rot, it is still rot. But the the identifying factor for blossom end rot is it's at the blossom end of the fruit, which is the bottom of your tomato fruits. Now, this is not caused by bacteria or fungus, some biological pathogen. This is caused by a deficiency in a nutrient, and particularly calcium. Now, some people say when I plant my tomatoes, I throw in eggshells. And that's not going to hurt the plant, but it takes eggshells a long time to decompose into calcium that tomatoes can use. Using eggshells in your compost and letting that heat up and go through that composting process is probably more beneficial than just throwing an egg in the bottom of your planting hole. But from the beginning, from the beginning of your tomato planting, there are some things you need to think about. And one is the pH of the soil. The pH of the soil, of course, is a measure in the acidity or the alkalinity of the soil, like acid to basic, right? Now, at certain pH, calcium is not available to plants. So you may have calcium there, and even applying calcium to a soil that is off in its pH is not going to be beneficial to the plant. So there's two things when it comes to resolving a calcium deficiency or really any deficiency is, first of all, is there that nutrient, in this case calcium, is it present? And the second thing is, is it available to the plant? 
sometimes throughout summer, we will have periods of dry weather and then wet weather, dry weather, wet weather. And that kind of drying out and re-wetting of the soil does make it difficult for tomatoes to bring in calcium. So have your pH checked first. If you need to alter the soil uh, as far as the pH goes, that is going to be most critical. Otherwise, uh, a great way to apply calcium to your plant is by lime. Lime does change the pH of the soil, but it also has calcium in it. And of course, course there are things like blossom end rot stoppers that is a spray that you would apply to the foliage that is probably the fastest way to get calcium to the plant is by spraying it onto the foliage another issue that you're surely going to find is going to be hornworms sometimes we call them tomato hornworms they're about four inches long when they're mature and maybe not that big but they are big barrel belly uh, caterpillars they're nasty they've got that pointy horn on the back and they I, I hate them but I see them all the time in my tomato patch and the best way is to scout for them and look for them and you will know they're present because overnight an entire branch or two or maybe an entire plant an entire tomato plant has been stripped of its leaves right down to the hard branchy stuff that is a sign so be looking around for these gigantic hornworms now keep in mind that these hornworms are green like your tomato plants so sometimes they're hard to catch if i see them i remove them now they have these really sticky feet that hold on tight to the branches and stems and when you peel them off it's like peeling off velcro they're like pop 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 the legs just pop right off. Look, I eliminate them by squeezing them or pushing them, putting them in a, 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 a tub, a bucket of warm, soapy water, uh, letting them drown, essentially. That's probably the most effective. But you can use an organic product called BT or Bacillus thuringiensis. Don't ask me to spell it. But BT is a um, bacteria that actually these caterpillars will feed on and then they will... Uh, die. They will have an infection, a bacterial infection, and they will die. So you don't have to squish them, but you can use BT. Lastly are the blights. There's early blight, there's late blight. Early blight happens usually earlier in the season, and of course um, you'll know it because the foliage will have these water-soaked kind of lesions, circular lesions, five, maybe ten lesions on each leaf, and that usually comes earlier in the season. But then later in the season, you may see late blight. Now, late blight can be quite disastrous. It looks like somebody's blowtorched sections and branches of your leaves. They will be lesions to start and kind of water-soaked along the stem, along the leaf, uh, kind of every part of the plant. Now, the best way to control this, if I get to the late blight, usually it's so late in the season that it's like, well, this tomato plant's kind of gone. We're, we're kind of done for so I will remove that but if it's an early blight situation where it's earlier in the season when I'm planting I will as the plant grows I will remove the lower leaves of the plant so it looks kind of naked from maybe my knee high all the way down to the ground remove those lower branches because those lower branches can be quite susceptible to splashing of water onto the leaves and from the soil if water is splashing off the soil that is where some of this uh, blight can come from it also can come from the rain and nearby infected plants so be sure to mulch that area and don't ever compost don't ever compost these uh, diseased material because you'll be putting potential spores back in to your compost, back into your vegetable planting area. Um, with, with that being said, of course, uh, you can use some 
some disease control, some fungicide, bactericides, things like that. But it's a bit hard to catch that earlier than you need to because most of the fungicides are good preventatives and it may slow down some things. Uh, Sulfur and copper are two great organic products to help prevent diseases on tomatoes and uh, well, any plant. So be sure to check that out. Well, gang, the show is over today. It went by so fast. So for WRWH 93.9 FM and New Southern Garden, my name is Nathan Wilson. I hope you stay well and grow well. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. 